Hi folks, and welcome to episode 5 of the Future in Finance podcast series. If you're new here, this podcast is dedicated to helping you smash through those CMAP exams. Every other week, we pick one of the topics from the London Institute of Banking and Finance's study text, and we work through it together, trying and maybe sometimes failing to give it some pizzazz and dropping in some real-world examples to help you along the way. Now, I am delighted to tell you that this week we have the return of my favourite co-host, my money muggle and finance dumbass, who might be looking a little bit more tanned, but still can't tell you what tax allowance is. <laughs> Maria, how was that big Greek island you went and climbed all over? It was excellent. I had a wonderful time. Got a little bit of sunburn. Children, wear your sun cream. Um, and I never wanted to leave, but I am back and I'm here to assist in any way I can. It's great to have you back. I'm sure you'll be devastated to know that you left me in my ultimate time of need the last few weeks, <sighs> where we covered topic three and four of the textbook, which were both tax-related, and honestly, it boggled my brain. It was really difficult without you. So if you're a die-hard C-Mappy, C-Mapper? C-Mapper? C-Mapper. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm not sure. And you stuck with me for those two episodes. I salute you. They were tough going, but I have great news this week's topic, number five, is all about state benefits and HMRC tax credits. Woohoo! And I think we could potentially cover the entire unit for you in under our sub 20 minute timescale that we figure out. Uh, it's easy breezy, there's no stress, there's no brain fog, and even better, there's no maths. Yay! But before we jump right in, for the first time on this podcast, we have some housekeeping. And this is because you guys got in touch. It was a full ask and you shall receive moment. I cried a little bit, but I had people slippy sliding into my Insta DMs to tell me that you've been listening to the podcast and you're loving it, which might have been a slight over-exaggeration from what you actually said. But at the very least, you all said you like it and I was psyched. So thank you, thank you. It meant the world. And off the back of that, I have to tell you that the Fast Track Saturday courses are, as of right now, all sold out fanfare q fanfare (laughs) which is just absolutely wild to me and if you're thinking damn i really could have done with that then don't worry i've got you so for a limited time only and by limited time i mean till the end of may that's the time scale i'm offering a gigantic 40 percent off the cmap one audio study guide package where you get two audio study files a week so it's a lot like this podcast but in way more detail plus a bunch of supporting visual material and a free 30-minute consultation with me before your exam day to box off any of those burning questions. So usually, for all 25 audio files plus all the other stuff, it'd take you back £250, which is only a tenner a unit, but until the end of May, you can get the full thing for £144. And I've written in my notes here to pause for dramatic effect. I mean, you'd be an idiot not to order it for that amount of money. I mean, come on, people. Pull your wallets out. Forgo that latte. This is going to get you through that exam. Exactly what she said. Now, if, like Maria, you just blew all your money on a climbing holiday and you don't have the budget, then don't worry, you can buy each audio file plus the supporting material for just a tenner. All you need to do is head on over to www.futureinfinance.co.uk and click on Study Guides. And that's the plug. That's it. Let's get stuck in. Yay! Cue intro music. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
folks. Topic five is state benefits and HMRC tax credits. And it's important to know this stuff as a mortgage advisor because a lot of this could be your day-to-day. So having a good understanding of it is very likely to be the difference between you making those mortgage dreams come true and you just missing out on their affordability because we didn't have a good handle on it. And usually missing out on the affordability also means missing out on your big bonus. So it's really important Uh, like I said if you just struggled through two tax topics that are the absolute brain frazzler then you're delighted to hear that the CMAP gods have been kind to us on this one it's beautifully short and uncomplicated and we'll be through it in no time at all as usual we're going to start with our objectives and Maria you've got the list take it away okay team so by the end of today's episode we should have an understanding of number one the main state benefits and HMRC tax credits for people on low income. Number two, the main state benefits and HMRC tax credits for people with children. Number three, the main state benefits for people who are sick or disabled. Number four, retirement benefits, including state pension. And number five, how these benefits and tax credits affect financial planning. Beautifully executed, 10 points. Thank you very much. Also, for anyone wondering if we're making weird noises in the background, that is that is peaking. Now, if you don't already know, in the UK, the government supposedly plays a vital role in assisting people in need, and this is mainly through the benefit system. So state benefits can affect financial planning in two main ways. The first one is it can affect the need for financial protection, So what that means is that it can affect what cover a customer might need to put in place when they take out a mortgage. So when you take out a mortgage, usually you have to take something out that's either life insurance, income protection insurance, mortgage protection insurance, basically something that covers you. You don't have to take it out, but every lender asks that you have something in place. Um, There's an entire topic dedicated to these products. So if you're already glazing over, you've no idea what I'm talking about. Don't stress. I promise we will get to it. Second, an individual's financial circumstances can affect their entitlement to state benefits as certain benefits are means tested. So one thing to remember here is that the CMAP exam isn't just for those who have dreams and aspirations of working in mortgage advice. If you wanted to be a general financial advisor, you'd have to sit this exam too. So for them, it means that a financial plan that increases a person's income or the value of their assets might be less attractive to someone than it first seemed because it has an effect on what benefits they might receive. Now, there's a wide range of state benefits covering loads of different circumstances, and the idea generally is that benefits are there to prevent people from living in extreme poverty, and that's taken right out of the textbook, just so you know. I mean, it's it would be a nice aim if that was just the general aim for the government to meet, but here we are. Full stop. <laughs> so let's jump on in. Uh, what support is available to people on low income? First up, and really the main one now, is we have something called universal credit. So universal credit is a means-tested benefit for people of working age, and the upper age limit is at the point where an individual would instead qualify for pension credit. So basically all that that means is that you can receive universal credit up until you reach whatever the retirement age is at that time, at that point, it goes over to pension credit. Universal credit isn't a specific, you're either in work or out of work benefit. It's for people, whatever their employment status. So from April 2013, universal credit began to replace a bunch of other different benefits. So I'm going to reel through these now. You will also get 
a visual guide support with this one if you buy the package but you can also see them on instagram as well if you're not sure so universal credit replaced income support income-based job seekers allowance income related employment and support allowance working tax credits and child tax credits easy for you to say and finally housing benefit the amount of universal credit that's awarded to claimants depends on their income and personal financial circumstances so there's a basic allowance with different rates for single people and different rates for couples there's also a lower rate for younger people and additional amounts that are available to those who might have a disability caring responsibilities housing costs and or childcare costs. There are some benefits that do still remain outside of the remit of universal credit and those are carer's allowance. I just clicked the wrong button on the screen, so we're gonna go back. Uh, Contribution-based job seekers allowance and contribution-based employment and support allowance. Disability living allowance and personal independence payments. Child benefit, statutory sick pay, statutory maternity pay, maternity allowance, and finally, attendance allowance, as that's something that's for people who are of pension age anyway. So we're gonna work through all of these. You don't need to memorize them for the exam. It's just really good to have a general understanding of each of them. So if you run through the list, we've got working tax credit. Now, this was designed to top up the earnings of the employed or self-employed who are on low incomes, and this includes those who do not have children. It's now been replaced by universal credit, so new claims can only be made through universal credit. You can't make new ones for working tax credit. Next on the list, we've got income support, which is a tax-free benefit. And I'll say that again because I've seen it on a mock exam. Income support is a tax-free benefit, and it's designed to help those aged between 16 and retirement age for those whose income is below a certain level and who work less than 16 hours per week. You can't make a new claim anymore. That again falls under universal credit. You next have job seekers allowance. So this is a benefit for people who are unemployed or working less than 16 hours per week and are actively seeking work. So you've got the contribution based one and the income based one. Again, it's been replaced by universal credit. It's very unlikely that you would come across any of these situations, but because they are still kind of in the system, you just have to be aware of them. Next up, and something that is still operational, we have something called a support for mortgage interest loan. Now, the idea with this is that anyone who receives universal credit, income support, job seekers or pension credit can apply for assistance to pay the interest on their mortgage. Now, this used to be a purely a benefit up until about April 2018 where it was replaced to form a loan that you have to repay. So the way that it works is a second charge mortgage is added to your property and we'll dig more into second charge mortgages on another unit. And this mortgage is subject to interest. So the loan is repaid when the property is sold or ownership of the property is transferred. I didn't even know that existed, so... Yeah, it's something that um, if you think you need support with it, definitely look into it because it is still out there. That's crazy that that's not something that's... Con- well, I mean, I know I'm the muggle here, but that's that's wild! I mean, I'm glad I've still got your attention. Yeah, you do! It piqued my, my interest. 
The next thing that we need to drop in is something called the benefits cap. So an often voiced complaint about the benefit system is that people can sometimes be better off out of work by claiming state benefits than if they were in work. So in response to this, a cap on the maximum weekly income that can be received from benefits was introduced back in 2013. So the idea is, is that you would receive the same in benefits than if you were working for the average, I think it's the average living wage of the UK. And that's it. I'd say we're about halfway through the topic. I appreciate that you've been really quiet, so yeah. I've not given you much chance to think, have I? <laughs> no, I mean, it's all just pretty much straightforward, isn't it? You just need to learn the definitions you need to learn, know what they're talking about, understand the cap. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that okay so what I'm hearing is that I'm doing my job you're doing your job yeah okay good Um, next we have to take a look at support for those who have children so first up we have statutory maternity pay now if you become pregnant whilst under employment you may be able to receive statutory maternity pay or SMP from your employer and that's provided that the average weekly earning is above a certain threshold and that you've been working for the employer continuously for 26 weeks prior to your qualifying week, which this is where it gets tricky, is the 15th week before the week in which the baby is due. I don't know why they make it so complicated in the That's textbook. wildly complex. If you work it backwards, and it took me a while to figure this out, basically yes. you have to have been pregnant since... You have to be working there since before you got pregnant. So the 15th week before your qualifying week would mean you six months pregnant and 26 weeks that you have to have been working for is six months. So the idea is, is that... You have to have been working for the company before falling pregnant. To Which be seems fair. Yeah. Okay. So that's basically to stop people who've just found out they're pregnant getting into work so that they'll get statutory maternity pay. Right. Um, is the idea with that one. Now, maternity pay is a payable for a maximum of 39 weeks. The earliest it can be paid is 11 weeks before the baby is due, if you want to go off on maternity leave early. And the absolute latest is when the baby is born. So there are two rates of statutory maternity pay for an initial period. The amount that's paid is equal to a percentage of the employee's average weekly earnings. And after that, the remaining payments are at a standard flat rate or a set percentage of your employee's average weekly earnings, whichever is lower. So basically... The bare minimum. Yeah, the absolute bare minimum. Nice. You do get a lot of employers in the UK now who will pay a really good maternity pay benefit, but they are few and far between. The company that I work for pretty much pay your full pay, which is crazy. Like, I don't think you get that anywhere else, maybe other than the NHS. It's hard, isn't it? Grow a person, but don't get any support for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, One thing that you do need to know is that maternity pay is taxable and national insurance contributions are due on the amount paid. The other option that you have is maternity allowance. So maternity allowance is for people who are self-employed or have recently changed jobs or stopped working. You might be able to complain to claim maternity allowance instead. So it's paid generally at a lower rate than statutory maternity pay, but it is not subject to tax or national insurance. So if you're going to get an exam question on this, it's going to be which is taxable. So statutory maternity pay is taxable. Maternity allowance is not taxable. 
in the same way it's payable for a maximum of 39 weeks and the earliest it can begin is 11 weeks before the baby is due and at the latest when the baby is born. I'm really sorry if you can hear another dog snoring in the background. We can't seem to get a handle on that this week. (laughs) Um, Next on our list, we have child benefit. So child benefit is a tax-free benefit that's available to parents or others who are responsible for bringing up a child. It doesn't depend on having paid national insurance contributions and it's not affected by the receipt of any other benefits. So child benefit is available for each child under 16 years of age. It can go up to 19 if they're still in education or an approved training programme. Okay. I actually just need to loop back around to maternity allowance because I believe that there's a caveat that says if you've not made enough national insurance contributions, you're not entitled to it. So if you're self-employed and you don't voluntarily pay national insurance contributions, you won't get maternity allowance. Right. So if you don't contribute to the system, the system won't contribute to you. Exactly. Uh, And there also used to be something called child tax credit. So this was designed to provide financial assistance to people who were responsible for bringing up a child on low income. Um, It's been replaced now. It's been scrapped. So you've got universal credit that's open to new applicants. And that's it. We're two objectives down. Let's move on to objective three, which is support for the sick or differently abled. First up, we have statutory sick pay. So this is paid by employers to employees who are off work due to sickness or disability for four days or longer. And that's only providing their average weekly earnings are above the level at which you would pay national insurance contributions. Okay, hang on, go that, do that again. So statutory Statutory sick sick pay. You get paid from your employer if you're off sick for four days or more, but you're only entitled to it if the amount that you earn means that you have to pay national insurance. So it's paid by your by your employer? Yes. Right, OK, with you. Sorry, that's where I got confused. That's OK, don't worry. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, it's paid for a maximum number of weeks in any spell of sickness. And there's an idea that spells of sickness with less than a minimum number of weeks between them count as one occurrence. So right. If you were off for two weeks and then back in for a week and then off for another three weeks, that's going to class as one occurrence instead of two. Does the does your company set that? Yeah, so it's um, generally a legal requirement from the company, but it is at the company's discretion whether they pay sick pay or not. Really? Yeah, so you can, you can have sick pay, you cannot have sick pay. It's generally down to your employer and down to your contract as well. That's wild. So they're not legally obliged to pay it? No, and if you're on a zero-hours contract, you don't really get any benefits for that anyway, so you wouldn't get it. I mean, I guess a hell of a lot of us find that that out during the COVID pandemic, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. Um, Amounts that are paid to you as sick pay are taxable, and you have to pay national insurance contributions on them. Next up, we have something called employment support allowance. So this is for people who are ill or differently abled, and they may be able to claim two forms of it. So first up, we have contribution-based. So this is not means-tested, and payments are taxable. It'd get paid through universal credit. The second is income-based, and it is means-tested, and it's not taxable. So contribution-based is not means-tested, and is taxable, Income-based is means-tested and not taxable. 
Okay, so those are the two definitions you need to know for the exam. Yeah, there are some visuals on the Instagram page that you can find for that one. Okay, guys, um, search Futures in Finance on, on the socials and have a look at the infographics that have been lovingly made for you. Thank you so much. Now, a key benefit with this um, is something called a work capability assessment. So this is for employment support allowance. What happens is it looks at the impacts that, cl- that a claimant's health condition or their disability has on their ability to work. And as a result of the assessment, people are either put in a work-related activity group or they're put in a support group. So if they're put in a work-related activity group that says that they're capable of working in some capacity and they need help help to take steps to get into work. If you put in a support group, it's basically recognised that your health condition severely limits your capacity to work and you wouldn't be able to do it, but you still have to attend the support group. So different rates of benefits are payable to the two different groups and there's a lower initial limit before you have your assessment. Um, next up, we have something called attendance allowance so this is a benefit for people who've reached state pension age and need help with personal care as a result or sickness of sickness or disability so this is for people who are retired individuals it's not means tested it doesn't depend on national insurance contributions there are two levels of the benefit so you get a lower rate for people who might need help with personal care in the day or at night time and there's a higher rate that's available who might require care during both And we also need to have a look at disability living allowance and personal independence payments. So DLA and PIP. (laughs) DLA is a tax-free benefit for those who need help with personal care and or need help getting around. That has now been replaced by the personal independence payments. So PIP, it's for people aged between 16 and retirement age. There are two components for each benefit and people may be eligible for both or either So there's a care component with it, which is for people who might need help carrying out daily tasks like washing, dressing or using the bathroom. And then there's a mobility component, which applies to people who might have difficulty walking or just getting around in general. There's also carer's allowance. So this is a benefit for people who are caring for a sick or differently abled person. Now, you do not have to be related to that person in order to qualify The right to receive carer's allowance doesn't depend on the amount of national insurance contributions that you've paid. It is taxable and you generally have to declare it on your tax returns if you're classed as self-employed. It's worth noting at this point that people who are in hospital or receiving residential nursing care, so the assumption is is that if people are in hospital, some or all of the needs that would normally be met by state benefits or pensions will then be met by the NHS. But in general terms, state benefits being claimed will continue to be paid once somebody goes into hospital, so they're not going to go without. And last on our list for today, we have pensions and what support is available during retirement. So every year, the government reviews changes in life expectancy and, to be honest, notoriously hikes up whatever age they think we're going to retire at. And if, like us, you're in your 30s, there's a legitimate concern. We ain't going to be retiring until we're about 102. So who knows what's going to happen in the future. But the supposed principle is that people should spend about one third of their adult life in retirement. So for anybody that reached state pension age before the 6th of April 2016, you don't need to remember the date, they got something called a basic pension plus an additional state pension. And for the rest of us, we get the new state pension. Um, And there is a scheme to compensate people that should have been better off under the old system if they've just crossed over. Right. So the state pension 
is is designed to provide little more than a basic standard of living in retirement. So for us guys, we all pay into a private pension now because it's a legal requirement, but we will also hopefully get a basic state pension. So you get state pension on top of, say, you're in employment or you've or you've arranged to pay into your own pension scheme if you own your own company. Yeah. Do they affect one another? No. So the only thing that affects the state pension is you have to have made a minimum number of national insurance contributions. So I think it's okay. 30 years. So you have to have been contributing to the system for 30 years. In order to draw back on it. To get the maximum state, state benefit. Okay. If you haven't made 30 years worth of contributions, you can still get some, but generally not all of it. Okay, got it. Um, and it, the amount changes every year. We'll come round to that in a little bit. But I think at the minute... If you get state pension at the minute, I think it's something like £634 a month. But that will go up and down with inflation and a couple of other bits. But we all now pay into private pensions as well, which is a legal requirement. Um, So with the basic state pension, this was originally only paid to employed people on their retirement and had nothing to do with their earnings at all. So it was later extended to include self-employed people and others who had made sufficient national insurance contributions for at least 30 years. And if you'd made fewer contributions, you'd get less. Those who hadn't made enough to qualify for the full basic state pension can receive something called a Category B pension, which is sometimes based on their spouse's or civil partner's entitlement. Right. Um, And then there was the additional state pension where some employees who reached state pension age before that 6th of April 2016 were entitled to an additional state pension in addition to the basic pension. And unlike the basic pension, it was only available to people who played Class 1 national insurance. Okay. Um, and you weren't here for the national insurance breakdown, so you don't get to get that bit today. Oh, damn it. You can catch up by listening. Okay. Um, there's also something called pension credit. So this is made up of two elements. There's a guarantee credit, which would top up individuals' weekly income to a specified minimum amount. And a savings credit, which is an additional payment for people aged 65 and over who had saved money towards their retirement previously. Pension credit isn't taxable. People who reach state pension age on or after the 2016 date are generally not available for that savings credit anymore. Now we need to talk about the new state pension, which is the stuff that's going to be relatable for us. So the short version here is that the old pension system was supposedly too complicated. So a new one was released whereby pension benefits are determined by a person's national insurance contributions to be eligible for the maximum. Oh, 35 years it was for us. Yeah. So we have to have made 35 years. Mm -hmm. Those with under 10 years national insurance contributions are not eligible at all for the new state pension. So that's the main feature with that one. And the very last point that we need to talk about today is something called a triple lock guarantee. Sounds like a drinking game. It does, and sadly, it is not a drinking game. We can definitely turn it into one. I'm going to let you work out the details of that and come back to me later. Sounds great. I'll let you all know on the next podcast. (laughs) So this is when, once in payment, both the basic and the state pension increase each year by the higher of one of three things. So all that I'm trying to say with this is... The amount that you receive in your pension will increase every year by either earnings, which is measured by the average weekly earning index, prices, as measured by the consumer price index, or 2.5%, whichever is highest. So this is to make sure that the amount that you receive in your pension goes up in line with inflation. But it's not okay. measured by inflation. It's measured by one of, one of these three things, and whichever is the highest is the one that you benefit from. 
So is there a reason they don't do it via inflation? Or is it that these three things, the 2.5% prices and earnings, one of those will accurately essentially reflect inflation? Yes, so 2.5% is a good inflation estimate for the year. Okay. So generally <clears throat> anywhere between 1% and 3% is the inflation target. I mean, this year we're on 11%, so that has blown right out the water. But that's why they go off whichever's highest to make sure it's fair, because sometimes... We're in an 11% situation. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so that's just the the three of them. One of them is going to accurately reflect. Yeah. Okay. By looking it. at all three, you can make sure that nobody is unfairly discompensated. Is not a word, but like everybody's. I mean, it's paid. a medical term. Okay. Or is what? that decompensate? I think it might be that one. Okay. Well, whatever it is. Either way, the triple lock guarantee, it's those three measurements and that affects how much pension you paid. Again, need to know the definitions and the three for the exam? Nope, just be aware of it. I've, oh, well, cool. I personally have never seen it come up in a mock exam and I have looked at a lot. Um, but So be aware that it exists, the triple lock guarantee, and there is a potential that it could turn up on an exam because we can't say it definitely won't. Yeah, so you've got it could be based on earnings, prices or 2.5% whichever's highest and that's it guys we're done for today that is pretty much the bulk of cmap one unit one topic five boxed right off i can only apologize for the dog noises in the background uh one thing that we didn't mention is that we are new to tiktok Ooh, social media this is how we've realized we're old because tiktok is well hard yeah we have struggled so most of it is probably going to be podcast dog content for now while we figure the rest out um and i know i mentioned this at the start but please remember this podcast is not a comprehensive study guide it's here to give you an insight into each unit and support your learning that's why it's completely free if you need more head on over to the website which is www.futureinfinance.co.uk if you all didn't catch it last time then you'll find you can either buy the complete audio study guide for 144 pounds which is an absolute fucking bargain if you've done your research equally and exclusively to us you also have the option of purchasing one topic at a time for just a tenner so go better yourself go get the career you want and go get help with your cmap studies with future in finance as always if you have any questions if there's anything you want to know more about or you just want to tell me that you're studying for your cmap and you fell on this podcast completely by accident but learned something new today please get in touch we've got this podcast we've got a bi-weekly blog we have an intensive fast track cmap training course and everything else we've already mentioned it's been an absolute dream having you here thank you so much for listening and i can't wait to catch you in two weeks thank you so much team see you in two weeks cue outro music